Hi. Hi. How's it going? Paul Harrison, this is so weird. It's like I've grown accustomed to your face. Yes. <laughs> so do you want to explain what's going on right now? We are uh, recording in person with each other yeah. in the offices of The Bulwark. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Jonathan the Last, who works here, who uh, who's graciously let us use their podcast. Re- this is like fancy. This is this is peak podcast recording. Right. This is this is the goal. I think yeah, right here. Absolutely. To have each have our own personal recording studio, or yeah. or one one day we finally formed the monastery. Mm-hmm. So we talk about this jokingly on Twitter, half jokingly, maybe a quarter jokingly. A fifth now, a I fifth think. maybe jokingly. This interior desire to get all the priests from Twitter, <laughs> our, all of our buddies, and just let's just start a monastery. Yeah. Then we can help people have our own podcasting studio. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is great. This, this is cool. Great. Yeah. So uh, I'm on holidays right now. Mm-hmm. Sorry, vacation for the Americans who right. listen. Right. We don't do holidays. We do vacation. Even though holiday is the superior word. It is a holy a day. Holy day. It's where it, it's rooted from. Like, what is more holy than leisure right right i was gonna say you gotta do a callback to the uh, leisure podcast exactly. right there <laughs> so i'm really I'm, I'm doing it right in canada so mm-hmm. i'm in washington dc visiting uh, the lasts and mm-hmm. other friends and so uh one of the things we planned out prior to this trip as i said uh, shannon last said hey do you want to have lunch with jbl vic and sunny from the sub beacon i'm like yeah i do she goes maybe do you want to see if father anthony wants to come down i was like father anthony I come to DC. I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and you want to have lunch with these guys? And he's like, yeah, I do. So we're figuring, hey, we're here in person. Mm-hmm. So we might as well record while we're in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's So, yeah. So we're recording in the Bulwark office right mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, it's great. So, yeah, I've been on holidays. And I kind of don't want them to end. It's tough when you have a good vacation. I have totally checked out in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like, I check my email, but not to check the work stuff, just to check personal communication stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've just been having a great time with the last family and visiting people, been doing like, we, oh my, I've, the weirdest thing for me. I mean, first, sorry, the first thing is, it's been just literally super restful. I have, I can't remember the last time. Yeah. I, even if I'm not sleeping a ton, I'm just like rested. I, I'm not worried about anything, mm-hmm. no responsibilities, just it's been a really good rest. Um, but the weird thing has been, pretty much every day I've been encountering listeners from the podcast. Yeah. Which is awesome. I mean, so I brought stickers because apparently Father Anthony and Nick are lazy and don't actually mail out stickers. No, we don't. So I just thought I should bring <laughs> stuff. So instead, I flew all the way from Canada <laughs> to deliver them in person because that's how good of a person I am. I'm, I'm the best priest, really, when you think about it. Because uh, I really actually, yeah. So anyways, uh, so we've just been visiting different people. We had a Twitter meetup on Friday night and just and, and meeting listeners of the podcast in all random spaces. Did uh, So I did the last youngest daughter's uh, first communion mm-hmm. on Saturday. And that was a really special moment. That's kind of the, what wasn't the first reason for the trip, it became the real purpose of this trip. And then on Saturday night, we had a uh, a a Twitter meetup of listeners of the Sub Beacon. Mm-hmm. So these are my two universes, the Catholic universes, and they weirdly are starting to mesh they more are. and more and more. This so, is the newest evangelization. That's right. Is what's happening. That's right. So we, uh, and just encountering all these great people who listen to the podcast has been, I'm not even going to bother listing, every, listing everyone off, but it's been just really awesome meeting everyone. And like the, our, those two podcast universes came to a head this afternoon because mm-hmm. we just got back from lunch at... 
The Palm. The Palm, which so is so fancy. So fancy. And it's famous because Vic Mattis makes it super famous. So this is how fancy. This is this is the mark of fanciness in a restaurant for me. So we walked in and they have white napkins set out. They see myself. They see Father Harrison, obviously wearing black, and they switch it out for black napkins, so That's we don't right. get white fuzzies on our pants. Yeah. That's fancy. That's right. Yeah. Right? It was really awesome. So yeah, so we went for lunch with Vic and JVL and Sonny, and it was it was really awesome. Yeah, good time. We almost baptized Sonny. We were close, it and by close, close I mean not close at all. Yeah, I was thinking about just blessing the water, just throwing it in his face and say, you're baptized, Yeah. so now you have to go to church on Sunday. Does that work that way? I'm pretty sure it does. Mm-hmm. Colbert has his whole skit on it. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, and he's the theologian, so. <laughs> so, I mean, like, really, it's it's got to be true, right? It's got to be true. It's got to be true. You just baptize everyone, let God sort everything else out, right? It, that's it, that's how we approach listen, sacraments. baptism's not going to keep you from hell. No, time out, time out, time out. One, that is true. It's helpful, helpful. But here's the thing, though. You need paperwork. Because when the Lord Jesus Christ returns mm-hmm. at his second coming, the first thing he's going to ask for are all the books at all the parishes that have the marriage the records, registers. the baptismal records, and he's going to see who's baptized and who's not. And if you're not written down in that book, you go straight to hell. So what happens about those churches that burn down and you lost all the records? Hey, it's a bummer. I guess you literally are burning. Yeah. Just like the church did. Yeah, this is a big Maybe deal. It, so when a church burns, it's really God's judgment mm-hmm. on that whole parish. Right. Everything that goes with it means they're judged. They're gone. It's over. It's rough. It's over. But um, there you go. Yeah. So I mean, before, before, before I, uh, before we. <laughs> that was a joke. If, that we're, was joking, a joke. we're joking. We're joking. We're joking. Uh, before, so um, a few weeks ago, before I started coming over here, I was like, you know what? I was praying in the chapel. I mean, you know what? Because we're supposed to do these things. We pray once in a while, surprisingly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I always bring my phone because my phone is my watch. That's a shame because a phone it can be a very distracting thing to have in a chapel. And I, I was noticing this. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm praying for a while. Let's check, check Twitter quickly. I'm sure the Lord won't mind. Right. <laughs> it's a bad idea, folks. It's, it's a, a terrible, really idea. terrible idea. You can't so pray I like, and check Twitter. I need to get a watch. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who don't know, JVL, Jonathan V. Last mm-hmm. is watch expert extraordinaire. Yeah. Super nerd. So I was, ta- I was talking to Shan. She was like, yeah, talk to JVL. Said, JVL, I need a watch. He was like, "Buddy, strap yourself in. Let's start watch. Let's do watch talk right now." Mm-hmm. And so he, he, we're emailing back and forth, and I started settling on an aesthetic that I really appreciated. And so we did their daughter's first communion on Saturday, and then that daughter comes down with the family and presents me with this box. Mm-hmm. And I open the box. What was in the box? A watch. <gasps> and it's the Seiko Snowflake. Uh huh. And it's gorgeous. The aesthetic is stunning. But this is the most amazing part. And this is why I will never, ever, ever lose this watch. Okay. It's JVL's watch. It was JVL's watch. It was JVL's watch. He gifted it to me. Mm -hmm. Which, if you know JVL, I mean, like, he's... But he loves his watches. Sure. I mean, he obsesses over his watches. Yeah. You want to know anything about a watch? He will geek out with it. It, It's actually like it goes beyond like the cute kind of nerdy to the frightening kind of nerdy. We're like, are you okay? Are you okay, person? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so now I'm wearing it. And it was, I'll never forget this watch and I'll know what it was for and and everything. And it it will, it's it's like one of the coolest gifts I've ever received. It's a sharp looking watch. It's pretty sharp. It looks good, eh? Yeah. People can't see it right now, but it's got a nice weight to it. This is the cool thing with this watch. Okay, what's the cool thing about the watch? 
the smoothness of my blessing hand now. Ooh, because that of the, extra weight. The extra weight yeah, has brought man. a certain continuity to my hand Wait, gestures. Wait, time out, time out, time out. You're wearing your watch on your right hand. Yeah. Are you right-handed? No, I'm lefty. Oh. Now here's that's why we don't get along. Yeah, exactly. Well, JBL's right-handed. He actually wears it on his right wrist. No, that's that's wrong. I mean, I'm hesitant to say that's wrong because he knows so much about watches. But how do you? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But yeah, so the weightedness has been like yeah. I'm like, oh, that's nice. It's mm-hmm. actually quite nice. So. When I would still yeah. wear my class ring, yeah, the weight of my blessing hand felt good. But it's also a little <laughs> too much because that's where the bishop would wear his ring. Yeah. So I stopped wearing. That's it why for I don't minutes. wear a ring. Is because everyone's like, why don't you wear a ring? Priests are married to the church. I'm like, yeah, but that's really more the bishop's role. Yeah, but they would wear that on the left hand if you were to do like a, a fake. Um, oh, okay. Wedding ring for the priest. And a lot of priests do that. But I, See, I, I just, I don't even know which hand it's supposed to be on, so I wouldn't really know the yeah. difference anyway. Okay, so, this, anyways, so, or. This well, is all wonderful, but can I rant for a second about something well, totally different? So, we can. Just okay. let me introduce the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm Father Harrison. And I'm Father Anthony. And this is Clerically Speaking Live at the Bulwark. Yeah. Woo! All right, rant okay, away. Okay, okay, so away. I need to rant. Okay. Yes. Some of you, if you're still listening, are upset with me because much of our audience is on Twitter, correct? Right, absolutely, absolutely. So some oh. of you are listening and you're angry at me because you're like, Father Anthony, why did you block me? Mm. A lot of you experienced me blocking you. And let me assure you, it's not because you annoyed me. It's not because I looked at your profile and disagreed with something. As harsh as this sounds, you personally, as an individual, as a beloved son or daughter of Christ, you as a human being were far from my mind when I blocked you. I found this new Google Chrome extension. It's not new, yeah. but it's called, what's it called? Um, blockchain. Tweet, blockchain, thank you. And basically what blockchain does is you find a user on Twitter and you can block everyone who follows that person. So what I've done recently is I found all the people who've called me an e-priest or an LOL bacon priest, all the uh, the chair people, the said said vac, I always ask, what's the word? Sede, sede, sede vacante. Sede vacante. Thank you, the yeah. chair people who don't think there's a pope, all the rad trads who yeah. um, like the aesthetics of religion, but none of the love of it. Mm-hmm. I've taken all those people who have harassed me over the years, I blocked them and everyone who follows them. So mm. I am currently blocking over 5,500 people. Mm-hmm. Now, some people of you. Block. It is a lot of people block. Some of you very innocently follow anything you see that's Catholic, and I get that. But you have been collateral damage in my Scorch Earth campaign to make myself sane on Twitter. Okay. Okay. So it's nothing personal. And if I don't. So you're saying collateral damage is morally justifiable? On Twitter, yes. Okay. This is where I am with this. This is important. It's interesting. Just because people are like, oh, Father Anthony, would Jesus block people? You know what? Probably not. But I definitely think Jesus would tell me to block people. Because as much as much as I enjoy Twitter, as much as I'm, I'm genuinely appreciative of people who are fans of our podcast, who learn something from it, who grow spiritually, who support us, and other thing, like genuinely thank you. It's amazing. It's the coolest thing. I owe nobody anything on Twitter. This is a, this is my new attitude. Okay. Tell me if I'm right. This is a social media app. Uh huh. That's it. Yep. It's just a tool, and it's an imperfect tool. Mm-hmm. And I've come to accept that. Because something happens, like it's one thing. Oh, do people really? When you have as many followers as I do, mm-hmm. which is so many, so many, so many, right? You're so popular. You get all the crazy people to comment right. all your stuff, and it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm not saying if I blocked you, you're annoying, but just please understand, I don't hate you. I love you, but I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna unblock 800 people, even if they're innocent. So okay, I'm gonna push back. 
Go ahead. I'm going to push back. I don't care, but go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> Twitter. Mm-hmm. A block means something. To some people. And I those people need to grow up, Father Harrison. No. I, I thought I was done ranting. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, guess what? Every block is good. So no, a block, wrong. if you don't listen to no, if you don't listen to Twitter, or if you don't know what this is, a block means no one can read that person cannot read your tweets. So you're like cutting them off. You're cutting them off from the kingdom. You're throwing them out into the outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh-huh. That's how people experience it. But guess what? That's just a function on an app. And if you take blocks seriously, if you complain about them, if you are worried about them, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. You need to grow up. It's literally nothing personal. But it just means that we don't. You know, we may one day be good friends in the eternal kingdom, and I pray and hope that happens. But guess what? Maybe you're just bad at Twitter. Maybe our Twitter personalities just don't work together. It's nothing personal. But a lot of people got to be blocked. So how do you justify this based on our talk on social media use on the podcast where where we discuss the mm-hmm. moral weight of a block? Did we? Where yes. did I land on that? You you were like, a block has to be justified, essentially. Yeah. And my justification now is to keep my sanity. So you're a consequentialist. Maybe. <laughs> you're a Twitter consequentialist. See, I've grown. I've grown to realize the reality of Twitter. Listen, I... Yeah, okay. So I'm gonna, can I push back? Okay, go ahead. Okay, I'll I'm be quiet for a second. I'm going to push back. Okay, I'm going to push back a bit. Because I've been pondering this. Um, I block. I do. I block as well. Mm-hmm. But someone has to do something stupid. That's, someone has to say something stupid. They have to go after you. Not necessarily even go after me. Okay. I have to, or I could see something that, like, I've blocked people who I've never interacted with. But, and they don't follow me or anything, but I just see that maybe they've been quoted some a lot by, they've been interacting with a lot of these rad traffic and they've been saying the same stuff. I'm like, this person's gonna make my life living heck one day. Yes, yeah, so you've and, judged them and they have been found wanting. Yeah, and so yeah. you cast them into the outer yeah. darkness. So, but I've done my research. Ah. I've done my research. I, I, I said, okay, this person, I don't need them on. Or they've said something incredibly rude. Like, like just this weekend, mm-hmm. we had. I saw someone on Twitter complain about how someone received communion. And that is like, and it's such a like, you know, why are they standing? I'm like, they should only be kneeling. Otherwise you're a heretic or whatever, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, you know what? And I took two seconds to look through their account. I'm like, this person is gonna be like this all the time because that's all they ever do is this troll people. I'm gonna block you. Some people, it's just a mute. It's like, you know what? You're whatever. I just need to mute you for now or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just the way it is. But a block, like just, arbitrarily blocking seems Listen, imper- imper- I'm not blocking out of my strength. I am blocking out of my weakness. But it's in our weakness I that we are strong. I cannot handle it. You know what makes me strong? Blocking 5,000 people. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm sorry. Because even though I am on social media a good bit, and sometimes too much, I need to take yeah. breaks, and sometimes I do. I do take yeah. breaks. But I can't, I can't handle it. I can't do it. So... I, it's nothing personal, but also this is very, very, very but, important. If you're getting your self-esteem from social media, it's right. time to log off. Well, absolutely, I, I, I agree with you there. And I, I say but this some, as someone who's, who's weak in this, because right. what bothered me so much yeah, about well, those people, say, what, what, what prompted all this? It's because I very much care about being a good priest. Yep. That is all I want to be in my life. Right. And when people who call themselves Catholic are saying either I'm not a priest or I'm a joke of a priest or a disgrace of the priest because I'm myself online, like that, that, that hurts. Yeah. And I, I take that too personally. I do. Okay. Because that's the problem I have to deal with. 
And one of the ways I'm going to deal with that problem is through prayer. One of the ways is bringing that stuff to my spiritual director. And the other way is by blocking 5,500 people, Father Harrison. Guns blazing, multi-faceted approach, scorched earth. Yeah, it's like you're saying there's a lineup of people. Mm-hmm. And some of them may be more, it's like killing innocent people. Except, except true, except you're not killing anyone. You're blocking someone on a social media app. I know. Which just... is not real life. Yes, there are real people. Yes, they have real feelings. And our actions have consequences on But guess feelings. what? The salvation of my soul comes first, which is why I'm blocking 5,500 people. Does your salvation come first? Yes. What about their salvation? That comes second. That's a real thing. You can't lose your soul to save others. No, I agree with you yeah. there. I agree with you there. But I mean, I just, I don't know. I think, I just, I wonder if it's a little too indiscriminate. That you might not be wrong, but this is what's happening. It's just what's happening. And I love you guys. Um, and we won't block anyone on the podcast uh, account, but Father Anthony's going to block lots of people. It doesn't. It's not because. Hey, you can make yeah. an all account and follow me if you really want to. Yeah. But uh, this is what's happened. So that's my explanation. Okay. That's my. I hope I still agree, but it's been a good, healthy discussion. Good. I, I'm right. glad I got that on my chest. It's we were 18 minutes in the podcast. Yeah. Well, you want to know someone who does not. He had a scorched earth policy. Yeah. But it's a scorched earth of truth. Ooh. The Summa, Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. We talk about Since we're actually live in person, we actually have no scripts. So everyone knows what the Summa Tweet logic is. Yeah, it's where we talk about tweets. Yes, we talk about tweets. So let's do some tweet talking. Uh, actually, this one's from today. I was just like, this is kind of hilarious. At uh, Peter Nguyen, famous celeb priest here in Vietnam, has divine mercy masses all the time with hour and a half homilies. What? Yeah. It's, so I've this is not the first time I've heard in like foreign countries where it's like normal for priests to preach 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Like in Africa, if you go to Africa, mm-hmm. mass is three hours on yes. Sunday. It's actually the it's purpose of their the Sunday. Sunday. Exactly. And the priest is going to preach for an hour or 40 minutes or whatever. Or else people are going to riot. Exactly. People, If you preach for 10 minutes, they're going to kill you. <laughs> Hopefully not literally, but they'll be cranky. Yeah. It's like, and it's just gotten me to think, I think this whole thing about how quick mass should be is all a dumb stupid discussion because if you're if you're measuring mass by the amount of time you're there then where's your heart because what's going on at mass you're literally participating in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. you are being you are in the presence of the holy trinity in a very intense way why does it matter if mass is an hour and 10 minutes absolutely if if mass is just something to get through that's all it'll ever be, if that's how you treat it. Yeah. Even if you get a super nice watch from a friend, you're not going to be looking at it during Mass, are you, Father Harrison? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's going to be too busy waiting my my blessing hand. Exactly. It's doing its job, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, it's... It, I am... 
And this is the other thing. It's like if people are like, I got to get out an hour, it's like otherwise it's too long. Then like I'm like, oh, my gosh, you are not trained for eternity. Right. Because what happens in the mass is literally what eternity is all about. Like I get, okay, so I get, there's, you don't want to extend the mass for no reason. So when there's like a thousand announcements and 40,000 prayers of the faithful, and then the priest preaches a homily at the beginning, that's not very good. Then the actual homily time, he preaches a homily, that's not very good. And then he has some more words to say at the end, that's not very good. And then you sit down because someone from the parish has to get up and talk about a parish festival. And if that bothers you, I totally get it. I'm mm -hmm. right there with you, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not what we're talking about. But it's the point is not making time the primary measure of the mass. It can't be. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So good. Yeah. Cool. What do you got? Okay. This is from Darren at Miles Pro Cruce. And he says, my priests better be exercising. If I'm in a situation where I need anointing and last rites, I better see some hustle, Padre. So this came up, someone like discussed, this is one of the things, I blocked all these people, Father Harrison, okay. all of them and everyone who follows them, because they were talking about like, oh, should a priest really go to the gym and like wear a t-shirt and stuff? It's like, oh my gosh, I don't have time for that. So that was a whole discussion on Twitter and because the internet is a terrible, terrible place sometimes. So his point is, <laughs> priests better be exercising because uh, we need some hustle. And that is absolutely, like, what, Father Harrison, what happens if someone's in a hospital ward and guess what, the power's out? Mm -hmm. And you can't go up the elevator, and they need last rites. Yeah. You better yeah. be hustling up the stairs. Exactly. This is why we. Unless your hospital is all one level like mine. Is it? Yes. It's all on the first floor. It's not a huge hospital. Oh, because you live in a little little, little it's place. It's great. It's wonderful. Little, little it's wonderful. Little place. It's yeah. wonderful. No stairs. Yeah. Free parking too. That's a, that's good. Right. A yeah, lot sorry. of places I've been to, they'll get, they'll, they'll validate your parking <laughs> yes. if you're a yeah, coach member. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that's good. Yeah. It's Although at the same time, it's like I get to like when priests exercise, they almost want to go exercise in a place where they're going to be invisible. Mm -hmm. Not that people shouldn't see priests exercising. It's just it's weird. It's well, like, oh, hey, John, as you're changing in the change room, it's just weird. Well, it's because it's it's everything is so sexualized in yeah, our culture. Exactly, exactly. And like there's a lot of uh, sexualization around gym culture because a lot of people exercise to become more attractive. Yep. So if that's your mindset. Got to work those glutes. Right? Got to work those glutes. No, no. See, the reason why you work your glutes is so you can deadlift more weight. Oh, okay. That's what's good. Oh, okay. It is good to lift lots of weights. Okay. That's why I exercise because it's cool to lift heavy things because you're going to give you a body. And if you can use that body to lift heavy things, I think that's good. So in other words, you got a god bod. A god. <laughs> See, even that feels weird to say. I know. It does, it does. I was just like, I was just thinking like dad bod. Right. But now I'm thinking. <laughs> but like, just I mean, so there's the one aspect where lifting heavy weights. Everyone's gonna hate me so much for cool. that. <laughs> I just see a super swole guy in all these pictures. Right, now, so right, right. Super right. swole priest. A super swole priest. No, no, no. But also like just like the act of exercising. Yeah. It's a good way for me to clear my mind. Hmm. And just to, because a lot of times, you know, you're talking with people all the time or you're sitting at a desk mm -hmm. or you're doing, so doing something physical is just so refreshing. Right. And to be honest, some of my best holy hours have been after I work out, take a shower, and then I'm just ready to pray too. So I hate gyms with a passion. Yes, that's fair. All it is is a bunch of metal machines. Well, you don't go to the machines, you go to the free weights, Father Harrison. It's, still, it's all metal. Right. That's not human. That's why you have to punish them by lifting them up and putting them down. Yeah, but they don't have a soul. They can't feel the punishment. Right, but it's a psychological. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. Good. Anyways, no, I hate gyms. I really, 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 really hate gyms. Mm -hmm. I've always hated them. I've always preferred more social exercise. Social exercise? Yeah. Talking to people when you exercise? No, like, like I used to swing dance a lot. 
Right. That was my exercise. I'd go out three, four nights a week. Mm-hmm. Don't really do that anymore. Not because it's bad for priests to dance. I just know myself that if I go out dancing on a Friday night, yeah. I will, or a Saturday night especially, I will stay out way too late mm-hmm. and I'll be too tired for Sunday. Right, right, right. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but that all said, I, I really recognize, A, I just need to get in shape because mm-hmm. I'm too much in shape. A different, uh, the wrong kind of shape. Wrong sh- kind of shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a gym literally like one block away from my parish. Do you have a basement? Not really. Not, uh, not, not when you, and it's, it's okay. I, it's not, I just, I was thinking about swimming, but then I, again, speaking of like being uber sensitive around things, right. I'm like, if I go into a change room, there's kids there. Yeah. And I'm in a small town. Everyone knows who the priest is. Yeah, you just can't so do that. I in can't this do world. that. I can't mm-hmm. go and I can't go. I actually, because swimming would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. I've been so happy with swimming. I would have done it, no problem. So I've just resigned myself that I'm going to go to the gym once my holidays are over. Good. I'm going to go, even though it's horrible and it's soulless, and <laughs> it's probably what hell is like. <laughs> okay, good. What do you got? Uh, from at Pajanowski, Jeff Pajanowski, idea. Baby shampoo that smells like baptismal chrism, sacrilegious or totally awesome. And honestly, I would say totally awesome. Yeah, they like, already do it for uh, the beard balls. Beard exactly. So it's it's simple. I, I, What's I, chrism? Chrism is the oil that we use. So you after a baptism for an infant, it's poured on the crown of their head, or not poured, but it's, it's anointed on the crown of their head. Yeah. Um, to signify the royal kingship that we receive through mm-hmm. baptism um it's also used to consecrate hands uh at or- priestly ordination and the heads of bishops at their ordinations and 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 for confirmation it's the same oil so that's the oils that we use yep. that for did you say ordination too yep okay yep um oh yeah your your, your hands smell awesome after ordination yep um so he's just saying hey we should have baby shampoo for that i'm like that's actually not a bad idea because then it's like I don't know. I think it, it becomes like almost a way like, – because we're all about sights and smells and stuff like that. And it just kind of bre- – that's a smell we're not used to as Catholics. So here's it's the so thing. rare. Yeah, I agree. So I think if you have either Catholic beard balm that smells like chrism or you have baby shampoo that smells like chrism, I don't think you should use it every day, though. Yeah. Like maybe certain feast days, the anniversary of, you know, uh, the anniversary of your baptism or something like that. Yeah. It's, this is not an ordinary time – or even an optional memorial, right? Kind of of baby shampoo, right? Yeah. You gotta use it for special days. So that's my one, my one caveat. Yeah, you could use it. Yeah, Progressive yeah, like, solemnity with go. baby shampoo. So you use it, yeah, on your baptismal anniversary or something like that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Cool. All right, what do you got? Oh my goodness. Oh no, that's from that's where I did that one. You had one that was super spicy. There's I, I put a lot in there. These last couple okay. of pretty busy. Yeah, because you've you, you've been doing great. So this one is, oh my gosh, we have to do it. Okay. I was I was shocked that you put it in here because it's it's very spicy. Okay, I, I don't even remember. Okay, this is from uh, at Lappinger, uh, Clippy After Dark, and she says, Internet Catholics describing migrants and refugees as illegals. No human being is illegal. You hate to see it. What was your thought process choosing that tweet? Because you have to have Let thoughts me, about it, right? I, did I do that one? Yeah, I didn't put that one in there. I'd... You're the brave Canadian jumping into American no, politics. No, you're reading the wrong one, I think. This is definitely in Summa Tweetologica. It's right after Bishop Robert reads, right before it, when he talks about oh, Wendy's. Oh, sorry, sorry. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Let's see here. You can apologize to me later. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm a Canadian. I don't, we don't use the, the, let's make everyone angry by talking about this. Oh, I am totally on the side. Like, by calling people illegals, you're, you're, dist- you're actually making them second class humans. Good. I feel the anger. Keep going. Make it rise. Keep going. Because she's, it's she's absolutely right. No human being is illegal. Mm-hmm. Because have you ever heard of the Catholic social teaching about the universal destination of goods? Is this the freedom of movement deal? No, it's not freedom of movement. But it's just this idea that in the end, like national, while while a nation is a good thing, and and that there's always going to be borders and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. In the end, there is no. Like there is no Jew or Greek, there's no Gentile, or there's no free man or slave, right? Mm-hmm. There's this male or female. Like it's just like that. These distinctions are not, they're not meant to separate us, right? right? If you're in Christ, if you're in Christ. So can we call bap- unbaptized illegals? The unba- <laughs> all the unbaptized, are no, illegal- her- all you atheists who are unbaptized are illegal they're, aliens. No, they're heretics. No, they're not heretics because with heretics you have to be a part of the faith That's and fair. then okay. renounce it. They're apost. No, not apostates. No. Nope. I don't know. I, They're pagans. I'm on. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a bit of a illegal post, aliens. I'm getting a little post lunch coma right can I, now. Can I rant about so, this too? So oh, yeah, I was, gonna finish, I was gonna finish. I was yeah. just, I just think that this idea when you when you label someone with a title, it becomes. I think we don't sometimes realize how racist we actually can be. Good. Use the racist word because more what, people are angry. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. And you're going to say, oh, well, our laws are important. But this is the thing. That's when you, That's what someone says when they put the state over God. These laws are not Sorry, can God. you speak up? It's really hard for me to hear for you from that hole you've been digging <laughs> with our conservative <laughs> listeners. You're really far down. I, that's okay. I'm fine with this. Okay. Because Just I don't speak up so I can. Because I don't put politics first. I put God first. Ooh, got him. That's that's the whole thing. As a Catholic, it is my responsibility to look first to the dignity of the human person. And um, migration is going to be a reality of things. Like you, Yes, and I'm not saying that the laws should be absolutely um, avoided either. But calling someone an illegal is saying you do not have the same dignity as a human person in our state, in our country, as you do in your others. You by calling them illegal, you're you're actually removing basic human rights from them. That's not okay ever. They have a dignity that is worthy of respect and love. Yes, sometimes that will mean that you because they aggressively usurp certain laws that a punishment might have to come down for that. But that doesn't make them second class citizens. You are it's it's I don't know I read it and I just think this is racism. Okay, so. I, I'm just gonna say my own thing. Yep, you do it you because do, you do. And what you'll you do. see how this. So here, um, one, the reason why some people have turned off the podcast uh, is because politics is the biggest and mo- uh, biggest religion in uh, America, and yep. it definitely has the most devoted followers. Some call themselves Catholics, mm-hmm. but really, what gets them all riled up are not words like heaven and hell or Christ or Satan, or the saints, or grace, or the Eucharist. Those words, those words put them to sleep. What gets them all riled up is Republican or Democrat, or things like the border, or something like that. That gets them fired up, and that's, you can tell, that's where their hearts are, okay? Mm-hmm. So, and 
all of us, so many of us, even me at times, are guilty of this sort of thing. But here's my problem, is that so much of political discourse in the US is performative, mm -hmm. okay? So what this begins, so we take something and we pull it out of context and we make it performative. And a lot of times we don't do this on purpose. This is what I mean by that. So if someone crosses the border in a way they're not supposed to, that is an illegal action. Mm -hmm. We're just talking about issues here, right? Mm -hmm. Illegal action. So when you're discussing an issue, when you're taking something complex and just discussing it as an issue around the table or at a podcast or whatever, you for shorthand would call these people illegals or aliens because they're foreigners. And that's not a racist thing. That's just a technical term, okay? Yeah. So technically, in all truth, people who cross the border illegally are illegal aliens. And that's just easy shorthand to talk about an issue. Right, okay? right. So that's not racist. It's definitely not. No, 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 sorry, sorry, yeah, you're okay, right. So yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, now, sorry. to yes. your point, to yes. your point, words also can affect realities. Yes. So if all you do is talk about these human beings as illegal aliens, that can start to wear on your psyche in a certain way, because words and symbols, they can alter how we perceive realities, mm -hmm. and then you begin to see the issue as only an issue, right? and you don't see the humanity behind the issue. Yeah. And that is indeed a problem, mm -hmm. okay? So there are people who use the term illegal aliens who are just discussing an issue, but there are other people who will use it as a way of dismissing humanity, right. okay? But something with a tweet like this is that, and this is the nature of Twitter, so I'm not like, faulting this person, this is the nature of Twitter very much so, it's a kind of punchy thing that doesn't have a whole lot of subtlety. By calling someone an illegal alien, saying no human being is illegal, yeah, that's true, no human being is, like, it's not illegal for you to exist, but that's also a little unfair, depending on what you're talking about, right? That's also right. taking something that's just an issue and then making it incredibly per and what a tweet like that does is it makes the discourse even more volatile, I see. I don't know if it makes it more volatile, because I think it's trying to expose the issue. I think the real issue is, especially for Catholics, we allow the political discourse to take the priority. Yes, and that is the problem, yeah. You show me a pope who would call a person, a refugee or someone seeking asylum, or, okay, maybe they don't go about the right way, whatever, but calling them primarily illegal. Sure. Show me a pope that would say that. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Yeah. I think that's what she. I think that's what she's trying to do. Mm -hmm. She's just trying to say, listen, like, m as a Catholic, we can't, and because the label game just, it just falls into the same cycle and creates the same problem. And and, and you're right. Like those labels do communicate a reality, mm -hmm. and it forms us into the thing. So that it, while we may not intentionally and in our heart want to say, well, this person's a second class person. Right. That when we use that title over and over again, it starts to form that in our heart, and mm -hmm. we start to not take that person yeah. seriously. And I think that's, I just, I think we gotta. The political discourse now is falling, is losing all sense of subtlety and rationality. Right. That it has. And so that's why, like, when someone says everyone who uses this term is using a racist term, I'm like, I I see your right. point, but you're not being helpful. Because right. that, because I think most, I think generally most Americans are probably not um, overtly maliciously racist. Not overtly. No, no. So like, here's the thing. You go, but you know, it like, exists. It, it, it exists. Yeah. It does exist. This yeah. is going to be a whole, yes. I think it's worth talking about because yes. it happens a lot. So it certainly exists, but most people don't, I would say most people don't want to be racist. Yeah. Right? So they're aware of that. Okay. And a lot of like, you know. <laughs> 
I, I joke, everyone's grandfather or everyone like of our age, like they are a little bit racist, right? Because mm-hmm. that's difficult to shake off those cultural sort of things. But because that term is used as such a weapon, mm-hmm. and in and a lot of times not in good faith, mm-hmm. I'm always very hesitant right. to. We have to just have to watch out for how we use once again those words yeah. and yeah. those labels for people right. who might not meaning to use that. Right. Word. I don't. I don't. Just because I think that the term can be weighted that way doesn't mean that the person using it is intentional that way. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but also, we also must remember that our words carry weight. Mm-hmm. And while we might not intend a sense like this, it can easily communicate that. Yes. Right? So I would... Um, I would prefer to talk about like an illegal action than calling this person, like categorizing them into a certain category. Someone who does an illegal action right. and not like an illegal. Right, exactly. Right. And, and exactly. That, those I distinctions think, are important. I, because if we want to change the the nature of discourse in politics, we have to start intentionally being more subtle in our language. Mm-hmm. Uh, we easily fall into um, this this temptation to want to just own the other side, and so mm-hmm. we'll use whatever weapons at our at our at our disposal. That doesn't actually fix things. It just makes you win a battle temporarily, right. and preps the other side to want to strike back even harder. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's pretty good. I think that's good. I think we came. That's, that's our political talk for uh, recording at the bulwark. That's what, happen when, that's what happens when you're uh, you're in the states for a year, for a week and a half. Right. You, you, it's like, oh wait, oh politics is everything. And I'll just say uh, I'll just say one last thing. Like uh, I think what's behind kind of what we're saying and what's a problem is that there's not a lot of examination of people's own hearts. Yeah. And political discourse is a way to distract yourself from what's going on in your own hearts. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so let's do some Patreon pontifications. Patreon pontifications. You support us. We read your tweets. So thank you everyone who donates to our Patreon. Uh, we are grateful to everyone who is uh, a donator and who helps us to um, to run this podcast to help us pay producer Nick yeah. to do the work. He's gonna have a lot easier work this week though because it's all one sound file. It makes it easier. He's gonna have an easier work this week. Um, and to thank you and to pay for our fees. And as you know, we donate any excess to the missionaries of charity. So, um, see, this is tough because I normally pick. Yeah, the, you know, uh, this, I'm, I'm not used to this. This right. is like, this is like role reversal. You're branching out. I, well, I finally put, I finally put the clerical pod uh, Twitter account back on my Twitter account today. Mm-hmm. See, uh, I was going to do that, but you have our password set as something ridiculous. Because I thought someone was logging in from a different spot. Turns out it was actually just Nick. Yeah, he has a VPN. So he's goes a VPN. Yeah. 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 Um, so I we're going to use this is from um, Lisa Marie Catherine at not at not at sorry, I gotta actually read this properly here. See, isn't it tough? Not it's a, tough to it's tough to read oh, your sorry, crazy handles, people. Not a taxi wow. Not a taxi wow. And she gave us a tweet from uh, from T with Col- at T with Tolkien, imagining what the future millennial saint icons might look like, and laughing a little. So she gives us like an example: Saint Justin of Orange has a man bun and a, like a V neck, and he's holding a piece of toast in one hand and an avocado in the other. But many miracles have been attributed to his intercession, and it's kind of funny because, as we know, so in saint icons, uh, the symbols of their that are really attributed to their life are often used. So 
um, one of my favorite saints is Saint Augustine. Mm -hmm. And often in icons, like, so my, I actually have a, an icon of, of Augustine that was given to me for my ordination. He's holding a heart that's burning mm. because that's his whole thing about desire is a huge thing for him, but it's in the shape of a pear. Oh. Right. Because we all know that early in his life, that's his first, rec that's his first kind of consciousness of moral evil. He steals pears just because he wants to do something wrong. Exactly. Like he doesn't even like the pears. Right. He just was excited to do something so this raises a question Illegal. for me. Let's say in some crazy world you were canonized a saint. Yeah. What one item would be your item? That's a great question. So uh, usually if you're martyred by something, yeah. like so however you die, usually the saint is holding that. Yeah. Most famously, is it St. Andrew who was skinned alive? No, he was the, the X cross. Who was skinned alive? That was, I think... Um, St. Bartholomew. Yes, St. Bartholomew. So he's holding <laughs> his own skin, which is awesome. St. Lucy, yeah. she had her eyeballs uh, plucked out. A lot out. of saints hold their own heads. They hold their own heads. or Like, they have their regular heads, but they're also holding, like, like their earthly head, in a sense. Or, um, like St. Paul, he holds a sword for several reasons. One, because he was beheaded. He's a Roman citizen, so he was allowed to be beheaded um, by a sword. But also, the, the word of God, which he preached, um, is like a two-edged sword, right? Okay. So for me, what do I have? I think I'm too early on in my ministry to know for sure. But if I died soon and everyone realized finally how saintly I am, mm -hmm. uh, would it be a, would it be a, that sounds so, would it be a podcasting mic? I don't know. That's not the best thing I've done though. It would be, it would be me juggling 11 churches. There you go. That would be the icon. I've had 11 different parishes in do, my assignment. Do, 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 do. I actually, I'm real excited about this idea. <laughs> it's me juggling 11 church buildings. That's my icon. So I You're think welcome. for me, it would be in one arm. Yeah. I would be holding a Ratzinger book. Uh, obviously. Probably Spirit of the Liturgy. Since it's an icon, it kind of makes sense with it all. Sure. On the other hand, I'd be holding a Stein of beer. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I think that would be my icon. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Who who's knows? To, who's to say? Who is to say? After who is all? to say? If you have any ideas about either your icon or ours, God willing, we all become saints. Everyone who listens to this, yeah. or us, uh, tweet at us with your ideas. Sounds good. Uh, so let's do some Patreon. Thank you. First, sorry. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who yeah. donates. Thank you. We, we we appreciate you. It's super cool. We appreciate you. And I've been hearing uh, good stories and people, actually someone, I'm staying at Theological College. Yeah. Someone came up to me because uh, they have their canon law program and everything. You know, they came up to me and said, hey, you don't know me, but, you know, thanks for the podcast. All that stuff is really cool. Yeah. The fact that we can help you in this way or just entertain you a little bit or teach about the faith. It's awesome. We, and we just got an email, I think from someone saying that our podcast on discernment helped them decide to go to seminary. Yeah, that's a big win. That's huge. I'm like, yeah. okay, if there's anything good we've done, we've brought in one person to think seriously about their vocation. This yes. is, if that happens, this is all worth it. Amen. And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm -hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. It's the best part. Yes, quite. Yes. All right. So I was just kind of pondering this. It's, it's been interesting to me seeing stuff through Twitter, the internet, and hearing what people have to say. I, I guess I've, what I've been disturbed by is the ability for people to just they don't know how to discern what they read mm -hmm. so if you read an article online 
and it has the semblance of a cohesion of an argument based on loose facts, like very loose facts, like almost unverifiable. Mm -hmm. But it sounds logical and, and it's been investigated. Essentially, that's a conspiracy theory, right? Where you're taking these very loose facts, putting them together to make a cohesive argument that's impossible to discredit because the facts are so loose. Right. And because it has these little pieces of little truth, it seems to be cohesive. Or it plays into a narrative that we, you suspect anyway. Yeah. And people believe this stuff really easily. Yeah. And it's kind of disturbing me because it's not helping the discourse uh, in the life of the church. It's not helping us um, pursue holiness together. And so I just thought uh, it would be just interesting to discuss briefly today. Yeah. Um, what what are some tools and ways for us to discern what we read and hear in podcasts? And uh, like, I guess, so, okay, I'll, I'll just kind of extrapolate here for a second. Um, we are in a communications age now where we have access to all sorts of information. And anyone can read this information. Like, you can go on the Vatican website and read any document you want that's been released by the popes. Right. Or theological commissions or the different synods or whatever. It's all there. Yeah. And in one sense, that's great. Like, that gives us an opportunity to, to delve more deeply and in a more instantaneous way into our faith. But if you haven't been trained on how to read this stuff properly or you don't have a larger perspective to interpret this stuff through, it can be very disarming. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, for me, like one of the examples that has actually been thrown my way a few times for different people is the Pope changing the catechism wording on the death penalty. Right. Yeah. Right. So explain what, what was that deal? So uh, the Pope um, decided that it was time to change the words in the catechism on the death penalty. Yeah. So the death penalty essentially it used to say I'm kind of paraphrasing right now. Sure. But uh, it used to say that only in t places where it was impossible to protect a society the death penalty would be warranted. And that was something that was kind of tweaked by John Paul II. Right. Because... It was no longer punitive. It was protect. It was more of a protection than a punitive measure. Right? Because in the past, it would be justifiable. Right. Like the church could... Like while the church itself never executed anybody, it um, would often hand... Like, like for example, it would hand heretics over to the state. They would perform the execution. Yeah. Right? So that's just one example. But in general, the church did not disapprove of capital punishment. Right. Um, in the secular world, and part of it has part of it was actually there was a development in doctrine on the dignity of the human person that John Paul II brought about in his pontificate that helped us understand more deeply the level of justice. Um, anyways, but we're not this the whole podcast is not about death penalty, but anyways, um, then so Francis had said that actually let's let's actually change this word. Now first you have to understand, folks, like the Pope doesn't just do this in a vacuum. He doesn't wake up one day and say, "Do what." Let's just change church teaching. No. Because what, 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 why not, right? Um, he has a lot of theological advisors advising him. And, that, and then when you read the actual phrasing, it's pretty clear, I think, that this is not something he just made up willy-nilly. Mm -hmm. Because it's actually not changing the teaching. It's right. just saying what it says. And I think actually there is a level of disagreement even here. But there's a, first, it should always be respectful towards the papacy and the papal office. But... Um, it's essentially saying that because of the state of, of the modern nation state and, and the modern society we live in, we feel it's no longer possible 
for we believe essentially that prisons can essentially protect society from violent men and women. Mm-hmm. And so the death penalty is no longer necessary as a protective measure. Now, like I'll throw this out here. I actually think there is a mistaken thing with all that. It's too Western in its view. Like, what about Syria, for example, where, right? Or Iraq, where things are not as stable. Maybe the death penalty might actually still be a way to protect people, right? I think it's doing two things. Right. I think it's doing two yeah. things. Because, particularly in the West and in more developed sites, there's such a disregard for the dignity of the human person. And we're seeing it more and more. We're seeing it in Great Britain. We're seeing right. it throughout the West of euthanasia, of radical support for abortion, that because... The church needs to witness against these things. Right. And so because of that, right. I think that's a huge emphasis of why oh, we're absolutely. saying. absolutely. Yeah. So, for example, I mean, I think there's, this is different. I think this is a difference in emphasis. Right. Um, for example, um, up until very recently, the emphasis of the church was very much on celibacy because celibacy brings this new, it, it's a new thing with Christ. Right. It was a new thing for the Jewish religion. It's bringing about something new. So that's why there's an emphasis on that teaching. And because it's so supernatural, you do need a couple thousand years mm-hmm. to flesh it out. Yep. Now, there uh, with John Paul II, there's now a renewed emphasis on the family yep. as well. So balancing that out. So now you see more stuff about the family than you would about celibacy. I think in our own particular time, there needs to be a renewed emphasis of that celibacy. Oh, absolutely. Right? But I think part of what um, this teaching is, is like, now, right now, in our time, in this moment, we're not saying that before right. it was immoral to do these things, but right now, in this time, we are telling you as the church that mm. it is not right to execute people. Right. And I just, I guess. And I think that's, I think that's pretty simple. And people make a bigger I think, deal about I it. think that is pretty simple. I just, where I would actually say, where I think a discussion should hold, I actually think that the discussion was too Western based. Sure. Didn't take the Middle East into account, for example. Which right. Is, which I found just Or odd. other developing nations. Right, or exactly. So. But that's the thing, and if you understand it that way, the Pope didn't change teaching. No, but or or like, can I wait? Okay, yeah. so let's for example, this yeah. is because this is the big thing. Yeah, people here. So your regular Catholic hears the Pope is changing church church teaching. That's what they hear. Right. Okay. So immediately there's confusion for the regular person, right? Like what, yeah. the Pope is changing church teaching, and then they hear people yelling like the Pope can't do that, and that's absolutely right. The Pope yeah. cannot like go back on church teaching on, on things of faith and morals, right? Right. There can be different emphases and changes in discipline and practice, mm-hmm. but not in like that that core stuff, okay? Right. So then they see people who say, well, I guess the Pope is not even real real Pope. Right. Or just as implied or insinuated. Right. So I think one of the things that happens that doesn't, one of the things that needs to happen is that when you and I, uh, when you became a pastor, yeah. you took an oath of fidelity, right? Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> say, that, say that with more. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I was like, did I? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it was a while ago, but you did. A year and a half so, ago. for example, my pastor just took his oath of fidelity, and uh, or just even when we were ordained, we promised respect and obedience. Yep. We promised to uphold church teaching, even if that teaching was not proclaimed by mm-hmm. a definitive like major church council. But mm-hmm. basically, it's our job to kind of respect and see in the best light the teachings of our local bishop, mm-hmm. and that's how we're connected with the universal church is through our local bishop. Mm-hmm. But because right now there's a crisis in faith in the hierarchy, there is a dismantling of the Catholic thing where we think we don't need bishops or you distrust every bishop. And this is fundamentally Mm anti-Catholic emphasis. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing a lot of that on the Internet Mm -hmm. where you're confusing the outrage, which is justifiable at the immorality of many bishops and priests and members of the hierarchy. But you're equating that 
there's a, there's a donatist heresy, mm-hmm. where basically this person's um, ordination or their teaching office is invalid because they're not holy enough. Right. And you see um, priests like uh, James Martin, who very often strongly implies or almost outright says things that are contrary to church teaching. And you he don't never, see... He never does that. He does that all the freaking time, right? Oh, my gosh. And he's, you know, and, and he's a priest who has... He has a great personality. I read half of um, the Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything. Yeah. It's a great... It's a great read, right? He's uh, well-respected in the secular media and everything. He has a big platform. And so that makes people angry because no one's shutting him down for right. saying the wrong things he's saying, right? right? Right. But you can't then just throw out the church hierarchy because of those examples. Right. I think that's a major problem that's oh, happening. Oh, absolutely. So, but what happened was people, people were getting their news from sites that want the Pope to be a heretic. Yeah. Actually, one of the interesting things being in D.C. this last week and a, week and a bit, I've actually gotten to meet a lot of journalists. This is a journalist haven. Like, this right. is where journalists live. This, this is, is where the news happens, in D.C. and on Twitter. Yes. The only places where news happens. And so it's been interesting hearing from them. Talk about some of the, I'm going to put it in air quotes, so-called journalists from yeah. these different sites who try to bully themselves into events because these people refuse to give them credentials mm-hmm. because they actually don't do the work that they're supposed to do in background checks, in verifying information, uh, you know, double sourcing, all this stuff. Like they just don't do the work. Essentially, this person said this. This is what we think about. It. It's all editorializing. So, like when the Pope said this around the death penalty, um, these so-called sites or Catholic sites went around saying the Pope's changing church teaching. Um, he's wrong. And in, some of them would go further. They'd say, actually, even the development that John Paul II brought around was wrong. Right. Because um, so they're actually not being tried enough. The problem is, though, we just read this stuff and we take it because it has the it has a okay. They can't technically have the word Catholic in their titles because the bishops won't allow them to. Mm-hmm. So I should tell you something, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the the uh, they have a semblance of Catholicity. They're always talking about Catholic things, so people think, "Oh, well, if it's if it's Catholic stuff, I can I can trust it." Right. But is that safe? So I want to like. So I, I we we've been talking about maybe reviewing this book, mm-hmm. Infiltration mm-hmm. by Taylor Marshall, which and, does have an imprimatur from a bishop, apparently. Yeah, but that yeah. Anyway, we got to talk about that too. What that means, what that doesn't. Yeah. Mean. That. Anyways, and it's interesting because I guess I'm hearing more and more and more and more people are listening to him. Yeah. And I think I understand part of it. It's because he's in an age of like bureaucratized responses. We're not seeing any anger to the corruption. Yeah, and even that's amongst the bishops. And so here's someone who's actually angry, and so therefore he is going to get all my my listens and everything. The problem is like I read little bits mm-hmm. so far. Just I have I'm not sure if I even want to pay for it right to be honest. Into, yeah. uh, that's my hesitation uh oh and, and by the way because he loves to push well, we're number one in catholic catholic sales and amazon apparently amazon just manipulates numbers all the time just because you're number one in sales and amazon doesn't mean you're actually a really great selling book by the way right um but anyways he uh there's a lot see it's yeah. thing that frustrates me there's a lot of money to be made off the scandal oh absolutely and i'm very distrustful like that's why i mean it's different because you know la people have to support yeah. the families i totally get that but one thing i really appreciated about bishop barron's um, letter uh, to the church suffering is that none of the money is going to him. Yeah, exactly. For example. Exactly. Um, but like when you've got people all fired up and angry, you can make money off them really Absol- easy. Absolutely. So 
but I read parts of it. I'm like, this is shoddy thought, period. It's lo- incredibly loose facts. Like, even in the introduction, or the foreword by mm-hmm. Bishop Athanasius Schneider, he says, well, I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing it a little bit right now, but he's, he's essentially saying, well, a lot of these vac- facts aren't verifiable, so therefore we just have to trust them at face value. That's, if you not can't ver- how, that's not how things work. Yeah, if you can't verify a fact, then you shouldn't be saying something. Because because this is the yeah. thing. So so the, uh, I feel that we're giving these sites and peep certain people too much attention, and by doing it, by even by talking about like that's why I'm even hesitating to mention sites right now and everything. Right. Because I actually don't want them to get the clicks. Exactly. Because the less the less we pay attention to them, the more... You got to starve these things. You got to starve these things to death, right? Um, but also, like, the news media sometimes is going to have a bias. And, and Certainly. Remember, folks, like, if the Pope says something... Well, first, if you're getting your news about the Pope's changed church teaching and you get it from, like, a secular news source, yeah. probably not a good source Definitely to get it from, Definitely not. Right? They, I, they're so bad at religion. Right. They're Generally, they're pretty bad about it. Um, but also, like, if the Pope's doing something, like, 99% of the time, you can trust. Like, if it's, like, a, a magisterial moment, like the catechism thing mm-hmm. or an encyclical or something like that, the Pope's not doing this in a vacuum. He's consulting. Yes, there are other things at play sometimes in church life. But it's not uh, – there's not – like, uh, not everything's a conspiracy. You know what you do? If something happens or something new breaks in the news about the church and you're confused about it, you know what happens when you're confused? You, pray. J- you wait and you pray. Yeah. You don't need to put out a hot take. You don't need to jump to conclusions. Absolutely. And I'll say this: that happens to me when the um, when that when a lot of stuff when I hear a lot of the news that's distressing that's coming either out of Rome or mm-hmm. whatever's going on. I'm like, oh, that sounds different than what I learned in seminary or whatever. Like, if that's my first reaction, you know what I do? I wait. Because here's the thing. Ultimately, the church does not err, and this mm-hmm. is a matter of faith, mm-hmm. that the church does not err on faith and morals. And so what's more likely? That things are a little confusing right now, and it's coming from different sources, yeah. and I just don't get it? Yeah. Or that the Pope's wrong. Yeah. So I think what's more likely, or either way, like... the you just wait to see what happens because yeah. time is always on the church's side. Yeah. And it's difficult to stay in that uncertainty. Yeah. But you know what you do in that uncertainty? This happened to me in theology. I remember distinctly being very distressed when I was learning about um, um, the historical Jesus right. stuff, right? right? It was really throwing me off. It was really shaking my faith. And we can talk more about that at another time. But basically, it was the Jesus that we hear in the Gospels, the real Jesus. And it was being discussed in a very academic way, and it really shook what was most foundational to me, the reason why I entered seminary, Jesus Christ. Now that ultimate truth in my heart is uncertain. It was very distressing. Mm -hmm. You know what I did? I just went to the chapel, and not from the Eucharist, and told the Lord all of my distress, Mm -hmm. and waited. And I began to learn more, and to read more, and to pray about it. And eventually, I came back to peace and really came back to the truth, but with now a deeper understanding of arguments that don't work. So what needs to happen is, okay, this is a confusing source. Get it from many sources. Pray about it and wait. And also, yeah, wait and also recognize, like, we're not meant to know everything. Yeah. I think this is actually one of the issues uh, of 
kind of modern communications is that because every we we hear everything. Not all but, knowledge but, is saving knowledge. And guess what? Not everyone's a theologian. And that's right? fine. And that's fine. It doesn't so, make you less holy. Exactly. It doesn't make you less worthwhile. It probably makes you more holy if you're not a theologian nowadays. <laughs> Often it does. Right? So I guess, but that's my thing. It's like, you know, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to know everything that's coming out of Rome. Uh, you don't that's need why to, we have the index. Right. That's our joke that's, about the yeah. bumper. Uh, you don't need to know the, like, the subtleties in different theological discourse. Like, like, like a lot of people like to go after Balthazar, for example, and like, um, one site likes to really go after Barron for this stuff. Right, right, because they don't understand theology. Well, that's exactly it. Oh, well, oh, wait, no, no, but they've got an STB theologian on staff. So. Right, yeah, so an STB, that's a real hard degree to get. Yeah, super hard. Um, but guess what? Most people don't need to know the subtleties of... Um, the, the the theology of salvation and eschatology mm-hmm. that's not an, like that's stuff for me to know because I am now like a, a theologian by trade sure that that is my job as a priest mm-hmm. so it's and it's my and I try to parse it out for people to understand because I at the same time I don't think we can stick our head in the sand right. um, either and it's but a, it's just about like let's just like, let's start being more discerning about what we're reading let's and if someone's angry it's hard like. When people are entering into like conspiracy theories, if they're only getting a certain group of people to talk to them about the faith, if they're kind of like in this little inner circle and they can't, like, if they can't get more popular theologians to come talk about things or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you should actually probably treat that with suspect. Yeah. Uh, if it's essentially it's like, and same thing with media. Like I know I'm kind of not kind of getting to my point today, but it's just I want to tell people like start first. You don't need to read everything. You don't need to know everything. Secondly, be more discerning about what you read. Um, third, some people will never know the deeper depths of theology, and that's okay. So don't have to delve into all this stuff all the time. Yeah. Like for some people, it's enough to just know stuff that's in the catechism. And that's sufficient. And that's actually really good. If you actually knew yeah. everything that's in the catechism, you are pretty solid, even exactly. as a theologian. Exactly. That's what the catechism's there for, right? Yeah. Like, go to the catechism first. And the little political stuff, guess what? That's the other thing. It, it all passes. And true. And to remember, like, the, the church, like you said earlier, the church is there. She will never err. She will never, um, the gates of hell will never prevail. We've been through worse stuff. But, like, if you haven't I, – I, like I've had people on, on Twitter will go around talking about theological minutiae. But I can tell, yeah, okay, great. You know a lot of little detailed facts. Because you read one document. Or you read a few books, but you've never been trained in theology to learn how to piece all this information together. Right. Right? Like, okay. I'm and gonna, that's, not, that's not a slight okay, – it's yeah. just because I, I, I want to yeah. watch out. Um, but – uh, I think there just needs to be like you are welcome to learn and read as much theology as you absolutely, want, absolutely, and that's good. And, uh, but just you just are patient and humble with it, and discern it, and you let it brew for a while. You don't necessarily have to start selling degrees online to get certificates because you are the best theologian, and right. people need to you know, learn from you or yeah. something like that, yeah. something ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, or uh, oh, I was going to say something else about uh, ah, I lost my thought. Humility, mm-hmm. learning stuff, prayer, prayer, waiting, waiting. It was gonna. I was gonna say something to cover you because you were being all crazy. I was being crazy. 
No, but you know, I can sometimes I, I have a radar for when people get mad at Father Harrison. Oh, okay. I was gonna say something, but oh well, forget about it. It's what it's, it's just. Let's start. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick oh, list. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. say okay, yeah. okay. Recognize the fruits. Yeah. Are you becoming? Are you becoming? more peaceful because of what you're doing? Right. Or is the internet making you more peaceful? Right. If the answer is no, then guess what? Time yeah. to take a break. Yeah, exactly. Take a break. Learn. Go to some really good trusted sites. Like CNA, amazing. Yeah. Right? Go to CNA. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Don't just, just and, and like pray for the church, please. Yeah. That's what we need. And read Ratzinger. Read Ratzinger. I read the good stuff. Read the great <laughs> church documents and we're good. So okay, good. we got JVL just like hovering outside the office so I want to thank you all for listening today Uh, remember to leave a review on iTunes Google Play Stitcher wherever you listen to us and tell your friends about the podcast because Jesus said that we should and and your enemies because Jesus said we gotta love our enemies I'm Father Harrison I'm Father Anthony and this has been Clerically Speaking you can find us on Twitter at ClericalPod on email ClericallySpeaking at gmail.com Facebook at ClericallySpeaking and we'll see y'all later God bless peace